Since childhood, I've been faithful to monsters. I have been saved and absolved by them because monsters, I believe, are patron saints of our blissful imperfection, and they allow and embody the possibility of failing. Guillermo del Toro. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee S's. Why are we talking about monsters when it's December? Because this is always a good topic to talk about. <laughs> so today's question is, what is the difference between a complete monster and a regular monster? And how do you write one? The quick answer to this question is, a complete monster is truly evil. Unlike Del Toro saying in the quote that monsters can be very beautiful, and especially in the art that he creates, it's very true his monsters are gorgeous in a monstrous kind of way. And that's one of the things that makes his work so signature. But a complete monster is truly evil for the sake of being evil, as compared to a regular monster, is more likely to be animalistic. It'll be feral. It'll be opposed to your hero but it's not going to be evil for evil's sake. So the regular monsters can fit better into Del Toro's definition where they show us our flaws. Even though they are animalistic in appearance or in some of their actions, there are pieces and parts of them that are very human. So we have had several people on our Discord channel who are writing very unique and interesting kinds of monsters in their story which is awesome. So we did want to take a question that was posed on our Discord channel and talk about monsters in general. There are a couple of different ways that the word monster is used. So in the case of our quote and the way a lot of people use it, monsters are aberrations. They're the weird thing on the outside that might pose a threat to us. They're often supernatural in some way. You've got the ghosts and the goblins and these kind of creatures that are not normal. So we don't want them interfering in our lives. In a lot of different stories, like Charles Dickens, when you have the ghosts, they are good guys that at first appearance look bad because ghosts are scary or In the case of Del Toro, a lot of these creatures are weird and eerie looking and can be scary because they are so different. However, usually they turn out to be the good guys in the end. The complete monsters would be the people who are serial killers or the ones who are wanting to destroy the world. Those creatures who know this act is bad, that's why I want to do it. Now, we are going to sort bad guys into three main categories, just as we talk about them for the rest of the episode. These are ways to think about the challenges that your hero comes across. We're talking about villains, we're talking about monsters, and we're talking about antagonists. Our first category are your villains. These are going to be your humanoids that have a higher sentience They are often opposed to society as a whole. They are a threat to society as a whole. And they tend to be the most realistic in what they do in your story because simply they can exist out in the world. 
your villains are parallels to the real world in what people are capable of here, even if they have the additional benefit of magic or super futuristic science. I feel like this is the easiest category to place that complete monster in. The truly evil, not just opposed to your main character. Sometimes, especially if it's not a spec fic, it's the captain of the opposing baseball team. They aren't complete monsters. They aren't truly evil. They're just trying to win the game, so you have to lose the game. You can have those be your villains as well, but if you are having your FBI agent hunt a serial killer who is taunting your FBI agent and just taking pleasure out of the chaos that he's wreaking, that can be a complete villain. Unlike the monsters, it can be a lot more difficult to create that's truly evil. Because the thing with evil, having that complete monster capability, is having the understanding and the knowledge that what they're doing is bad. No one, or at least you really shouldn't, look at a predator animal, like a wolf or a lion or a tiger, and say what they're doing by hunting for food is evil. It is a tactic for their survival, even though they are killing things. But as humans, we look at each other killing each other and we can ascribe a evil or a bad tag to killing other sentient beings because we have the capability of understanding that what we're doing is bad and not for the common good. So if you want a more clear understanding of the difference between a villain and a monster, I would say Grendel is a good monster. It's this animalistic type creature that is going out and killing and eating and doing its thing. Grendel's mother is more of that villain. She's aware of what's happening and she's going out for vengeance once Grendel is gone. So with your monsters, that second category of bad guys, these are usually creatures of some kind. They're an aberration if they have a language, it's usually primitive. They're very different. I think the biggest key is they're not going to have the sentience that a true villain or a complete monster would have. So even though zombies are human-shaped, because that's the corpse that they're occupying, zombies fall into the monster category more than the villain category because they don't have the thought process behind what they're doing. They're just going and eating because that's what they do. And our third category is the antagonist. This is kind of an umbrella term to cover the other two, but it can also be a little bit more cerebral, a little bit more environmental, where there are forces out there acting opposite to the main character's goals. So if your characters are struggling to survive in the Canadian wilderness throughout the winter, the winter is more or less the antagonist in that story, if you're forced to name one. So while you have Grendel and Grendel's mother out there tearing across the farmlands of Beowulf's country, they are the antagonists to Beowulf. They are the people who are opposed to the hero in the story. Yes, we can make moral judgments about who is actually right. That's part of the fun of having an antagonist. Was Thanos wrong? He was the antagonist. Now, of course, the second half of this question about monsters is... How do you write a monster in the first place? 
your villain should be directly opposed to your hero. They might not know that the hero exists, but you can choose to design the hero first. You can choose to design the challenges first, the villain. However you approach writing your story, having those two against each other is what makes the conflict of the story interesting. This is where I really like the Del Toro quote that we had at the beginning, especially if you're writing your hero first. Then you can create your bad guy to be the reflection of that hero, maybe really exemplifying the hero's failings and their faults and being that stark relief of what the hero could end up as if they are not careful. So if you're writing that hero first, Lean into the lie that the hero believes about themselves and make the villain personify that lie. Yes, the choices are what make the difference between the truly good and evil in the world. But if the villain is too far separated from the lie, then they can feel convenient. And it's very difficult to pull off that kind of story well. And if you decide to write the bad guy first, then you need to make sure that they have a plan that the hero can then interfere with. You cannot make a bulletproof plan and you have to create a hero that is just capable enough to cause problems. And if you're not writing a sentient bad guy, if you're writing more of a life challenges, start with the world building and then throw your character into it. So asking yourself the what if questions. What if humanity lost track of time somehow? How would that happen? How would that affect society? Now let's throw our character into it and what are their unique perspectives versus societal perspectives and all of that. We wanted to address one more thing about how do I write a good monster? And that is make sure that they have motivations. Having that motivation makes us believe and therefore hate the villain so much more. And even if your villain is more animalistic, not sentient kind, they still have a motivation. Ultimately, your villains, your monsters, your antagonists should have good goals. The shortcut is the evil not necessarily the goal itself. Because really, we should be able to understand even if we don't agree with the villain's plans. We understand the need for having enough resources for the entire universe's population. We get that. Yes, that is a good goal. But we don't always agree with how they carry out those plans. It is very rare to have that mustache twirling evil for evil's sake kind of villain. You can write those, especially if you're writing a lot of commercial fiction. You can do a lot of things to make someone feel bad. We've done an episode on villains in the past. Having your antagonist have a believable goal is what makes them work. Having that monster who is directly seeking out cell phones and therefore killing anyone who has one because it emits this strange sound that it hates, is a believable goal. So whatever this particular goal is for your monster, understand it, make it that shortcut to a good goal, and always write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.